Welcome to Living Proof, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. We're glad you could join us today. The series Living Proof examines social work research and practice that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm your host, Peter Sabota. Thanks for downloading more than 300,000 of our podcasts. We'd love it if you took a minute to tell us what you like or don't like about them and what you'd like to see us do next. If you're an educator and you are using our podcasts in your courses, please let us know how. I know some of you are, as I've seen them on course syllabi out there. So, let us know. Go to our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu forward slash podcasts and click the Contact Us button. We'd be thrilled to hear from you. The holiday season is a time for great activity for Buffalo's vibrant arts community. From holiday performances in our downtown theater district, UB's own Center for the Arts, to our many regional and community arts groups, and high-profile shows from our own Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. Social workers are frequently teased for our, let me say this delicately, lack of sophistication with technology, but the fact that many of us are embracing all forms of it can't be denied. Even if we aren't, our clients and the rest of the world certainly are. In this podcast, our guest, Dr. Katherine Chernick, discusses the utilization of social media in the professional and personal lives of social workers. Applying the NASW Code of Ethics as a guiding framework, Dr. Chernick discusses the opportunities and challenges of practice with and the use of this medium. She offers practical recommendations and guidelines for real-world situations, including the use of Facebook, Twitter, blogging, managing friend requests from clients, and using media and Google to access information about clients. There are a lot of practical strategies and information discussed here for both newbies and experienced social media users. Dr. Katherine Chernick, is a licensed clinical social worker in New York State and a board-certified diplomat in clinical social work. Dr. Chernak has 30 years of experience working in nonprofit and public agencies as an administrator, clinician, quality improvement consultant, and field educator. Currently, Dr. Chernak is the clinical director for the community residential programs for SCO Family of Services. She also maintains a private practice. She is the chairperson of the National Association of Social Workers New York State Chapter Ethics Committee. She has presented at numerous workshops on social work ethics and ethical decision making. Dr. Chernick was interviewed by telephone by Stephen Schwartz, PhD candidate and affiliate research associate at the UB School of Social Work and at the Research Institute on Addictions here in Buffalo. Dr. Chernick wishes to note that the views expressed in this podcast are not reflective of the agencies or the professional associations she is affiliated with. I'm Steve Schwartz, a research associate at the University of Buffalo School of Social Work, here with me to talk about boundary and ethical considerations for social media use by social workers is Dr. Katherine Chernak. Dr. Chernak, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. How would you like to frame the discussion today for our listeners? Well, I think that it's important for us to consider our online presence 
and to be able to look at the challenges that our online presence poses for us. So the question that I want to frame today's podcast is for us to consider how our online presence complements or conflicts with our professional selves. And how did you first become interested in ethics and social media? I've been involved in social work ethics, social work ethics education for many years as a member of the New York State chapter of NASW's Ethics Committee. I have a long-standing interest in professional ethics and the way in which social workers make ethical decisions. Through the years as social media developed and the use of internet technology also developed, I became interested in the way in which social workers need to adapt our traditional ways of working ethically to be able to work ethically in an electronic environment. And certainly social media is a big part of our lives these days. And what do you see are the challenges related to social media use by social workers? Some of the major challenges related to social media use by social work include practicing in a technologically competent manner, maintaining professional boundaries in what is virtually a boundaryless electronic environment. Another challenge relates to protecting privacy, and certainly an additional challenge relates to ensuring confidentiality of our clients and consumers that we work with. Can you give us some examples, common ethical issues that relate to these challenges you've talked about? Well, I'd first like to talk about the challenge of being able to practice in a technologically competent manner. One of the core values of the social work profession is competence. And one of the ethical principles that's shaped by the core value of competence states that social workers need to practice within areas of competence and develop and enhance their professional expertise. And this core value and ethical principle also extends to how we practice using technology. And what I have encountered through the years is that social workers, by virtue of being part of a society where use of the Internet is so pervasive, sometimes jump into using social media without fully understanding some of the pitfalls of using certain social media platforms. For instance, social workers may encounter situations where they have not established clear privacy settings when they're using their Facebook and therefore unintentionally may disclose personal information or convey information about themselves that they wouldn't ordinarily convey an office setting. So our code of ethics requires that we become competent in emerging technologies, and in doing so, we need to become fully aware of all forms of technology and social media. Do you have a specific recommendation about privacy settings in something like Facebook? Well, I could give you an example of a clinician who encountered a problem using Facebook because she didn't fully understand privacy settings. She had started a Facebook profile and was late one night 
posting a comment and had done so after having an argument with her husband. And what she posted was that she was so angry at him that she felt like snuffing him with a pillow while he sleep was sleeping. And moments later, she got a message from her husband's sister-in-law saying that she had posted this comment to her wall and in doing so made this information public. The twist to all of this is that this colleague works as a marital therapist, so had posted something very private that she certainly did not want anyone but her friends to see, but had misunderstood how the privacy settings worked on her Facebook and had basically disclosed information in a way that she wouldn't in an office setting, let's say. So in terms of understanding the technology, before venturing onto a social media site, social workers should understand fully what the privacy settings are for each of the platforms and also understand the differences between social media sites. For instance, Twitter is an open platform and if somebody, say a social worker, is on Twitter, they should understand that whatever they tweet is instantaneous, within seconds, distributed worldwide, and open for anyone to see whereas certain settings on a social media site like Facebook would enable somebody to create some shield of privacy. Does that mean the social worker should not be on Twitter at all? Well, that's a very good question. That's a question that the individual social worker would need to answer for him or herself. I think it depends on what type of practice somebody has, whether or not they would be using Twitter as a platform for professional reasons and would therefore be tweeting about either a research article or resource information or something of a professional nature. If somebody would to use Twitter for purely personal reasons, then it would be important not to link that Twitter account to a professional email or to be able to disclose that your professional relationship. One of the most common issues that comes out that I know you've talked about is how do you manage when a client wants to friend you on Facebook? That is a question that all professionals struggle with. In general, I think these days most social workers would say that they would never accept a friend request from a client or a potential client. However, I have also encountered situations where social workers, in an effort to engage perhaps a youth or somebody who has an online presence and is seeking to have some contact, may consider a friend request. That creates a rather slippery slope for a social worker because Facebook is purely used as a social networking site and by establishing a connection to a client through Facebook, there's a potential not only for blurring of boundaries and for confusion on the client's part about whether or not this is a social relationship or professional relationship, it also creates a situation where others 
on Facebook or when a social worker's friends on Facebook would be able to infer that a particular person may be a client and therefore issues of confidentiality and privacy would also be violated. So in answer to your question about whether or not a social worker should consider a friend request from a client, ethical standards relating to boundaries and dual relationships, privacy and confidentiality are certainly the standards that should guide a social worker in making a decision about a friend request. What recommendations do you have about how a social worker could say no to such a request and deflect the request to a proper channel? Again, a very important question to consider. And I think that if a person, professional, thinks back to how they may respond to a social invitation that may be offered an office setting, let's say, how a social worker might politely decline an invitation to a client's party or a client's event, that way of responding also should guide the social worker in the social media environment to politely decline and to explain the reasons why. Another approach, and one that I certainly recommend, is that at the point of intake or the point of engaging a client in the helping relationship, that certain social media policies should be discussed. And whether somebody's working as a private clinician or working in an office or an agency environment, it would be important to have established social media policies where the question of whether or not somebody could accept a friend request is already discussed from the beginning of that helping relationship. These are examples of clients in some ways making inquiries into the private life of their therapist. What experience or advice do you have about therapists using search engines for client information, such as Googling a client? The question would be whether or not it's ethical to use search engines, such as Google, or to review somebody's social media use, such as Facebook, to gain information about a client. Here again, the Code of Ethics, the NASW Code of Ethics, offers some guidance. We could look towards standards that relate to privacy and confidentiality, which talk about only soliciting information about a client that is necessary to that process that one has established with the client. So searching information on Google or looking at a person's Facebook is essentially going beyond information that a client may wish to share. Standard 1.7a of the NASW Code of Ethics, which pertains to privacy and confidentiality, says that social workers should respect clients' right to privacy and that social workers should not solicit private information from clients unless it's essential to providing services. So one question may be, is there any compelling reason to search for information about a client? Is the reason for a search because you're curious about what a person's life may be? 
Is it because you're motivated to fulfill some kind of personal curiosity? Or do you routinely do this on all your clients? But the main question is whether or not you're seeking to get private information that a client won't ordinarily share. I have two examples that I'd like to offer. One was a situation that I encountered in my private practice where a woman who sought help from me was traumatized not only by her husband's death, but by the fact that there was a lot of media attention to the circumstances of his death. And this was both in the print media and in electronic media. And when she approached me to establish her first appointment, she had mentioned this horrific death and had talked about her anger at the type of attention it brought to her and to the family. Now, she had asked me if I had seen any of the reports on what had happened to her husband, and I did not. And while it piqued my curiosity, I chose not to go and look up her husband's obituary or to look at her Facebook page to see what she may have shared about the death. Because I was guided by that standard 1.07a in the Code of Ethics that related to privacy and confidentiality, I chose to wait till the first session I had with this woman and spoke to her about her experience and learned from her that she really did want me to look at what had been in the media about her husband. And so with her permission, I did so before the next session. And in doing so, was respecting the timing in which she wanted to share information and the way in which she wanted to share information. The other example that comes to mind is when clinicians or practitioners feel that because a situation may be deemed an emergency or a situation where there may be a life-threatening incident, that they feel that it would be the ethical thing to do to conduct a search either of a person's Facebook or looking at any kind of Twitter activity that a person may have generated. And an example of that might be a social worker working in an emergency room, let's say a psychiatric emergency room, where a individual comes in who has some suicidal ideation or has expressed some desire to hurt themselves in some way. And in that case, I have heard social workers say that they would use any form of social media to see about getting information about that person's risk for the harm. So it's a matter of looking at the code of ethics, looking at particular standards, and sometimes making a decision based on the severity and the urgency of a situation. But we should always be guided by standards in the code of ethics and by legal and regulatory standards when we make these kinds of decisions. It must be difficult sometimes in supervision to distinguish between a clinician's rationale for wanting to find information and a rationalization for what's called lurking, just curiosity. How might supervision be used to deal with issues of ethics in the social media? Supervision can be used to help 
identify what the purpose of using that particular form of social media might be and looking not only at the client situation, but also helping the supervisee identify any personal curiosity or personal issues that that may motivate them to want to do these kinds of searches. With any form of ethical decision-making, there's a process that takes place. So it would be important to be able to identify what the issue is, to be able to look at what the ethical standards and legal and regulatory requirements may be, and to see where they may or may not conflict with one another, and then to establish in some way the higher ethical value in making a decision. So supervisor could help a supervisee go through a process of ethical decision-making, either by using one of the established models of ethical decision-making or by taking a supervisee through the process of reflecting on his or her own values and issues and being able to look at what standards would guide the process in making a decision. What role would agency policies have in this? And have you come across agency policies that deal with use of social media? More and more agencies are developing social media policies, and more and more agencies and organizations have a presence on social media sites. There has been a move towards the old website format where it's a static display of information about an agency to agencies' use of social media platforms to be able to communicate with consumers and shareholders and to create an interactive way of reaching out to people in the community. And because of this, agencies have recognized the need to develop social media policies Some of the agencies post their social media policies online. Some policies are quite extensive and just want to point out that the New York City Department of Education in the month of May came out with some extensive guidelines for social media policy use by personnel in their systems. Some agencies have very simple social media policies in terms of what staff can and cannot do in their professional roles when using social media, it becomes a little bit more difficult to provide guidelines for staff in their personal use of social media because agencies really can't control what staff does in their personal use of social media. Agencies can only provide guidelines for appropriate practice so that boundary issues and confidentiality issues are preserved. What are the kind of elements that would be social media policy for agencies? And if you could speak to something I know you've talked about is the use of testimonials. An agency's social media policy should look at how staff interact with consumers and stakeholders online. So that means that a need to preserve confidentiality, not to engage in providing personal information or protected health information, for instance, when using an agency social media platform. 
Some agencies and organizations will not permit staff to post comments on an agency's Facebook page because they don't want to have staff interacting with consumers in that medium. Other policies encourage some interaction. It really depends on the nature of the agency. And policies that may work for the, let's say, New York City Department of Education may be different than policies that may work for a local Y or community program. One of the cautions that people have talked about is criticizing your employer on social media. Do you have any feelings about that and how that may conflict with some of the ethical codes and social worker which talks about the appropriate ways in which to resolve conflicts with your employers? One of the standards in the NASW Code of Ethics pertains to commitment to employers. And standard that I can just quote is 3.9b, which says that social workers should work to improve employing agencies' policies and procedures and the efficacy and effectiveness of their services. So Social Work Code of Ethics suggests that we should work with our employers in ways that would improve services and improve the effectiveness of doing so. Posting a comment on a social media site is not the most effective way of being able to improve policies or procedures on behalf of clients. And while an employer can't necessarily sanction an employee for posting something about their job and their personal social media, if an employee does want to post, they need to be extremely mindful of not using any kind of client information, even if it's disguised client information, because the identity of a person could be inferred just by the very nature of the setting in which somebody works. So if an employee is posting on their social media, they should make it very clear that they're not speaking on behalf of the organization and that they should be very clear not to post anything that might be considered breach of a client confidentiality and privacy. Some social workers work in very specific settings where they may have a client population that, that's so small where the network of consumers all know each other. So even posting something about the kind of day a social worker had at their job could create a situation where other consumers would know the person that they're talking about or the setting that they're talking about and therefore create a situation where the social worker would be in violation of of confidentiality and privacy standards. Are there any other kind of common ethical issues that you've found in social media that we haven't spoken about? Well, the types of issues are quite broad. We've talked a little bit about Facebook and I've only briefly mentioned Twitter. Twitter is certainly a a very fast-rising platform. There's many more users that can be found on Twitter these days. One of the issues that's come up in terms of social workers and clients is a question about whether or not social workers should follow their clients on Twitter. And just to briefly touch on that, 
it's strongly recommended that social workers don't engage in that kind of process with clients. For one, confidentiality could be compromised by creating a visible professional relationship. And secondly, it may invite clients to interact with you on Twitter, which is an, a non-secure medium. If a client were to interact with a, a social worker on a platform such as Twitter, a question that comes up is whether or not those um, tweets and that Twitter stream would be part of a client's legal record. And the other piece that comes up is once you start the process of following somebody on Twitter, are you creating an expectation that you would be responding to their tweets? And let's say the worst case scenario, somebody tweets that they're feeling suicidal and you miss that communication. What does that mean for that social work relationship? So there are concerns about professionals viewing content that clients post on Twitter for many reasons. Do you have any experience or comments about social worker as a blogger? Blogging could be a very useful tool. Social workers are able to use that for a variety of professional reasons. Social workers may want to blog about a particular area of expertise, and they want to blog about developing resources or the need to provide services in a particular way. If a social worker is blogging as a professional, then it would be important to keep it professional. And I think that most social workers understand the difference between blogging about say, an article they just read on depression and blogging about what they ate for breakfast. So the use of a blog can be quite appropriate in social work, where one thing to keep in mind when blogging is to decide whether or not you want to enable comments to your blog. And it would be important to very carefully consider the question of whether or not you want comments to your post, because by inviting comments, you might be encouraging clients to reveal themselves as clients, and in that case, there would be issues of confidentiality and privacy that would be compromised. So a blog could certainly be a useful tool, but like any tools we have at our disposal, the implications of blogging need to be carefully considered. Well, we've talked about a range of things. Do you have any final thoughts for social workers about how their online presence complements or conflicts with their professional selves? Well, I think that there's a number of useful guidelines that we could keep in mind when posting. In effect, some words to post by. Keep in mind that as Google notes, Google has a long memory. And as Twitter also notes, you are what you tweet. So we need to remember that everything online is discoverable and that if we can't show it to our mother or if we can't show it to a judge, we probably shouldn't be posting it. There are some recommendations that I would like listeners to keep in mind. We need to be able to use the highest privacy settings when we're using social media. We need to control who views our content and periodically check for changes in privacy settings. 
some platforms require that you opt out of certain features and that people have found that sometimes they're in situations where the Say Facebook just creates a new feature, and if you don't opt out of it, you're suddenly in a situation where maybe more information is available than you would like. So periodically check for changes in privacy settings. Check yourself online periodically. So Google yourself to see what others are viewing about yourself. Contract with clients and include discussion about social media policies and policies regarding social networking, as well as contact through other electronic methods. It would also be important to always keep in mind that you need to be professional when posting on agency or professional social media sites or when writing, let's say, in a blog. And essentially, in order to practice ethically in a social media environment, we have to be able to adapt the traditional social work skills that we have to meet the demands of our professional role in the electronic age. And that means that we have to obtain training and consultation for ethical issues regarding social media use. We need to be able to become technically competent in ways that we need to become competent in all social work practice. And I would just like to say in conclusion that in order to maximize the benefits of using social media, we need to know what to use, when to use it, and how to use it in accordance with professional ethics. And by doing so, we need to remain alert to the ways in which our online presence complements or conflicts with our professional selves. That was a wonderful summary. Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you, and we look forward to further discussions with Dr. Chernick on this topic. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Dr. Katherine Chernick discuss social media and social work ethics on Living Proof. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about who we are, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. At UB, we are living proof that social work makes a difference in people's lives.